3, you forgot to pray that the worship would continue with the nap. The nap. Good morning, Chapel family. How are you? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. You're caffeinated like me. Man, if you are not pumped to be in the presence of God with a church family, you need more caffeine. It's just the reality of it. Well, good morning. If you are new, welcome. My name is Ryan, and I'm your pastor. We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. If you are just joining us, we are going through the book of Ephesians, and we're doing these uh, identity statements of who we are in Jesus. So they've, each week they've been, I am blank, I am blank, and this week is different. Can everyone read the board behind me? Okay, did anyone else have the same thing happen? Thank you. As I, every time I looked at it this week, I almost just wanted to do one of those, like, mm. But I didn't because my wife judges me. So I just said, we are family. This week, uh, and it's appropriate because as Paul is building his case in Ephesians, first we hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he died for you, that he seated us with Christ. All we do is believe in him, and that belief is even a gift from God. And then last week we talked about how God in Jesus tore down the walls of hostility between races, between people of different backgrounds. God has made a way for all people to come into his family. And this week, it's really part two of last week's text, and we are going to look at what it means to be the family of God. And and let me just say from the get-go, this is really, 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 really hard. Are you tracking? Because in a neighborhood like Fishhawk, and really in anywhere in suburban United States, we've got this habit, and the habit is this. We have these front porches with potted plants and rocking chairs, and so often they collect dust because we don't sit on them to meet neighbors. And we've become this type of people, and even in my my vocation, when I started in in the pastoral ministry in the late 90s, You could actually show up to people's houses and knock on their door and have them open like, hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Hang out. Guess what happens if I knock on one of your doors today? This is all I see. Little blinds. Who is it? It's me, Pastor Ryan. What do you want? Just talk. And even nowadays with phone calls, we do it. We, We all do this, right? You're hanging out with somebody. And let's be honest, let's say you're with your spouse or by yourself. Somebody calls. You know, back in the olden days, kids, we didn't have caller ID. You just had to pick it up and hope, right? I hope this isn't who I think it is. I hope you couldn't screen. Like now, I've got a different ringer for the people in my life. So when my mom calls, it's like a nuclear blast. When my wife calls, it's a song I can't share with you because I'm a pastor. But, but needless to say, there, there's so much technology that we have, and, and now I know, because I call some of you guys, and we all know the same thing, right? You're calling, you're listening, because you're dialing, ring, ring, they ignored my call. Because we've had this sense now where we, we not only have people kind of at the outer perimeter of our lives, because we don't want people too close to see us, but we push them even a little bit farther out with technology. It's just fine if I know you just on Facebook. If you text me, don't expect to text back. If you call me, I'm going to screen your calls. This is our culture that we're living in. But the Bible's idea of family, it will sound so foreign if we don't point out some of the things that we do in our culture 
So we're going to read, I'm going to read through the whole passage, it's just going to be 17 through 22, and then we're going to back up and look at this. Verse 17 of chapter 2. And he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace, <coughs> sorry, far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. May God bless the reading of his word. So here we have this beautiful picture. Jesus goes to get people who are far off. Some people, oftentimes when I tell people, hey, you should, you should come to the chapel, they say, oh, no, no, I can't go to the chapel. You don't understand. Uh, I do this, I do this, this is my lifestyle, this is this, whatever. They have all these reasons to not come to the chapel, and then they say something like this. But if I go to the chapel, people there are going to judge me. And I usually say, yeah, there are some people that will judge you because some of us grew up in the church. It just happens. But there are enough people here that have jacked up enough lives and have become just enough honest about it to finally be able to enter in and love people where they are. And people say, well, I, I just wouldn't fit in. And I tell them, you, you might not fit in. But I look around here and I think, it would be a really odd person to not fit in to you guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. We've got old, we've got young, we've got black, Hispanic, Cubans, Asians. We, we've got a fair gamut here. We've got rich, we've got poor. We've got middle income. We've got people that are OCD. We've got people that are no CD. We've, we've got a wide group. And, and I, you guys don't know this because you're down there and I'm up here. But people actually sit in certain areas every time. So, like, if you did not know this, if you're in the medical profession for whatever reason, 90% of you sit from here over that way. I don't know why that is. So if you have a heart attack or if you have an issue with health, sit on this side of the room. Okay? That's what I would do. If, you, if you're loud and you have a little bit of a rough background, like you grew up in the hood, for some reason you generally sit up in the front, which is why we're a little light on the hood today, but, <laughs> but it's okay. It, you're here. All two of you and then the Baptist preacher. And don't be fooled, Baptist preachers are hood. God has brought us together to be a family. And he reaches and came for those who are far off. So we've got to start with that in verse 17, that Jesus initiates, and he calls us to initiate. There should be no one that is in your realm that is too far for Jesus to bring into the family of God. If that were the case, I would not be standing here, and neither would many of you. Because I was the guy in high school and middle school that people would have thought, there is no way that guy would be in a church, and it's God's cosmic joke that I literally can't escape church ever. Some of you were that because Jesus initiated. He came and he preached peace not only to those who are far off, but he also preached peace to those who are near. Because it's not just people that are irreligious that need Jesus. It is the people who are within church gathering walls that need Jesus. Because here's one of the truths that's terrifying. Sometimes the farthest you can be from God 
is sitting in a row at a church gathering week after week after week. It's like giving you the flu shot of Jesus. You get just enough to where you don't actually catch it. And you're like, well, I went. I'm generally a nice guy. When I got in a car accident, I only said two bad words instead of three like in 1997. So God must be working. But if that's your picture of God to get you to stop cussing, I mean, we're talking the creator of the universe who chased you down with a radical one-way love, who gave his son on a cross. And when Jesus was on the cross, took everything for your sin upon himself. And then sometimes we walk around like, well, I drink less and I don't cuss. And we think like God's up there like, do the slow clap, Holy Spirit. They're awesome. No, no, no. He wants something radically bigger for your life than just those external cleanings. He wants to give you a type of peace. And he wants to give it to you in a community. And even in this, in uh, verse 18, we even see God's community. It says, through Jesus, we, bo- we have access in one spirit to the Father. God himself is a community, and he created us in his image. So if you are basic logic following, God is communal. He created us in his image. Therefore, we are, starts with a C, rhymes with omnunal, communal. We are wired to be in community. Some of us don't like it. I get that. Some of you, I see you coming in on a Sunday, and I'll go to shake some of your hands, and it's like your shoulder is frozen. And you're like, I gotta just do it. Ah." And it cracks, and I shake your hand. And don't get me wrong, I'm with you guys. I don't like people some days. And A, confession, I'm a germaphobe. Some of you know this. So like, this is what I do on Sunday. I count, and and if it's a non-sick season like right now, I'll shake hands, and you don't know this because I'm trying to be friendly and smile, but I'll go one, two, three. I get up to 10, I go right to that sanitizer. Boom, 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 and I wash you all off. During flu season, I just stay by guest services where we have sanitizer, and I'll just welcome you. Boom, squirt, boom, squirt, boom, because I've got kids, okay, and they'll catch anything, and then they'll spread it to the house. So I get this anti-people thing. Sometimes I don't want to be around people, sometimes even in my own home. We, we've joked about this before. The father's only safe place in a home is in the bathroom. Just pro tip for all you wives out there. No, we don't go to the bathroom for an hour and a half, okay? We might say things like that. We're in there because it's the only place we can read Google News in peace. It's true. Because even in my house, I don't want community. But God has created us to be in community like he is. He is this beautiful picture of the son honoring and pointing to the father and the father sending the spirit to fill us into the son and to bring us into this cycle of community-oriented family. So none of us are strangers. Now, here's the thing. Some of you guys are strangers to each other. I, I know this because you can't possibly know everyone here. You could look around and see someone. I think I've seen them before. But, but you guys are creatures of habit. So if you sit on this side, you didn't know that all the people who will save your life in a medical emergency are on this side. And th- those of you who are scared of people from the hood will never sit on this side. It, it's just the way that it goes. If you want to sing really loud and you want people to be singing around you, sit in the first three rows right here. These people sing with zero shame, even though maybe shame should be okay sometimes. Kidding. You guys are all good. I mean, I'm not all of you. I don't know. 
But here is a place where we should no longer be strangers and aliens because God came to get us, to bring us in, so we are fellow citizens, not only with the saints that are living now, but we come from a stream of history of thousands and thousands of years of people seeking after God, following God, and there's this rich, beautiful thing that happens when you join the church family. It's hard because in our culture, once again, we have some things that work against this. Like we are very individualized. Many of us don't have any connection to a, a trajectory of where we came from. Although I do have to say, like there are native Floridians who are very proud of it. You know, when you meet somebody who's a native Floridian, they will let you know, like, oh, I'm a native Floridian. And I'm like, oh, great, you were like born in a swamp. Like, ooh, accomplishments. You know, you eat gator meat. You, you have an accent that I can't understand. You, you're allergic to kale. What does that mean? I don't know what it means. But, but they have this sense of like, I'm here. This is my land. I belong here. More so, I think, than some of us have a sense of belonging here. Which is why on the bottom of your bulletin, I, I don't know if I still print it on there or not, but one of the things that I want you guys to do, and it may not even be there actually, I think I deleted it, so now you're looking for no reason. One of the things that I think we should do as a family of God is this. You should have what the Bible calls your oikos. It's the word for household in verse 19. Oikos. Everyone say oikos. If you can't remember that, go get the yogurt. It's delicious. It literally means like your household family or your extended family. Every one of us in here has an oikos, and I'm going to say that word so often it's going to get annoying. It's like 8 to 15 people who you generally see and you generally like half of the time. It's your oikos. It's your wife. It's your kids. It's your neighbor. It's your coworkers. It's your cube buddy. It's your nurse. It's your whatever. Those are the people in your oikos. Now, God has created a, an oikos family here, brothers and sisters. He is our father. And we are to lift one another up. But so often, we don't even realize that we are that. Which is why I used to print, formally, maybe I'll print next week, that if you miss seeing somebody on Sunday, don't call them on Sunday to, like, shame them. But say, hey, I missed you. I just want to bless you. Is there anything I could pray for you for this week? Because right now, with the summer vacation going on, someone was telling me right before service, they said, um, they said hey, summer vacation's here. You should do a thing church-wide. Only two families can go on vacation at once. And I was like, that would be perfect. When do I get to go? I love a good vacation. And, and I don't think that that's how we should do it because I don't tell my brothers, like, hey, man, you can't go on vacation now because we're family. We, can't, we have to stop thinking of this as an organization and start thinking of it like family. So what would you do if, uh, if somebody fell down in your family? If one of your kids falls down, what do you do? You, you laugh. You pick them up. You offer them a hand. What do you do if like a sibling, let's say you're a teenage grown-up adult, what if one of your siblings as a grown-up uh, falls on hard times? What do you do? You maybe help them, pray for them. Depends on the sibling, right? I mean, I'm being honest. Because sometimes, what if a sibling keeps on messing up and messing up and messing up and their life is spiraling? What if they're just like running from you? What do you do then? Pray. That's like the Christian answer. You have to pray. If you don't pray, you're not a Christian. Some is throw, sometimes throwing words at the ceiling, though, James would say, the half-brother of Jesus, show me your faith by what you do. Are you going to go reach down and pick somebody up, or are we just going to pray for them? Because it's, it's easy to walk out here on a Sunday, and I 
I come sometimes for service and, hey, man, how you doing? And we talk, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Oh, yeah, how you doing? And everyone says, what, what's the answer they give me? Good, good, great, 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 good, 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 great. Oh, man, hey, how are you? And then someone else do this. Hey, hey, can, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? And what do we say? Yeah, yeah, man, I'll pray for you. How often do we fail on that? I have not prayed prayed for people like 97% of the time. So now I just try to make it awkward. So now if you come up and, and there's not a bunch of people all noisy around, if you say, hey, hey, can you pray for me? I'll be like, yeah, let's pray. Jesus! Because that's what I would do for my siblings. For my brothers, I pray for them every day. When my brother gets deployed, man, I am like on my knees for him every day. And then God convicted me this week. He said, you pray for your brother every time he gets deployed. But then he said, every Monday, your whole church family gets deployed into the mission of fighting against brokenness and sin and evil all around them. Every Monday, your church family gets thrown into a place that's not secure and safe and comfortable and cozy and slightly over-air conditioned. Every Monday. So I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Every Monday, I got to pray for all these people? And God said, no, 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 you're not running an orphanage. You're shepherding a family. Some of you need to connect with each other. Because I can't pray for all of you. That'd be the lamest prayer because I don't know everything going on in your life. I know some of you. I can pray for Ken and Lori's family because I know Ken because I go to his house all the time because his wife cooks amazing food for me. If you want me to pray for you, that's all you have to do. Coffee, food, bacon. I'm, I'm just being serious. I know Edwin because Edwin takes me out to go eat good food. I don't know that I've had Edwin's cooking. Do you cook, Edwin? I don't like it when you look at me with those collared green eyes, though. Who's your family that's here? Is it just your spouse? Because we need more than just our spouse if we're going to be built together into some semblance of strength. Sometimes our spouse can call us to things, but other times our spouse is doing the same broken patterns that we are doing, and there's not a strength there. So here's the image that Paul puts together. He says we are being built together, built on the foundation of the prophets, which is Christ Jesus. If you are part of God's family, we are being built together as a team, which is why it drives me crazy when someone says, oh yeah, yeah, um, I'm a Christian, but I just don't go to church. And I understand why they're saying that. Even my post this morning, I said, sometimes I wish I could just ditch, just ditch church, but I think that's why God made me a pastor, so I couldn't ditch. Because I need family. But so many people have said, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I just don't, I don't go to any particular church. And I always think, because I have my basketball background, I think, that's weird. That's like if I just went and got a, a Golden State Warriors jersey and said, oh yeah, I'm a Golden State Warrior, because I got the jersey. I don't have to be as good as Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. I'm sorry, that's a bandwagoning illustration, but I, I'm having grief from the NBA Finals being over. But, but we know that, because here you walk around Tampa in football season, there's like 300,000 Jameis Winstons. And I know none of those guys can throw a ball like Jameis. And they feel like part of the team. In Seattle, they even try to call it the 12th man. 
And I think that's the way they help middle-aged guys like myself feel good about not being able to do athletic things anymore. Because we say, oh, yeah, my team did this. My team did that. But it's not, we're not really playing. We're just watching. Some of you have the watch-itis infection. You're not pushing back the darkness in this world. You're not bringing Jesus into the city. We come and watch and leave. This is not the main game here. This is the locker room. When you leave these doors, that's the game field. This is where we get trained, get equipped, get into the word, understand what God is trying to teach us. This is where we can come together, pray for each other with that awkward insta prayer. Not that I'll pray for you later. And then we leave, and on the doors going out, that's why there's two signs, one on each door that says, go, make disciples. That's the game. This is the rally. This is the high school pep rally. The band, there are cheerleaders. They get us fired up. Right now, whoever's preaching, that's the coach. And then that sense you get in your gut to go out and fight, to go out and win, to go out and change, that's the Holy Ghost. There's no spiritual or there's no physical equivalent for that. Maybe it's the team spirit. Wah, wah. Sorry, I've been watching dad jokes since Father's Day. So, we are being built together. And here's the scary thing. If we are being built together, Jesus himself is our cornerstone. He is the stone that shows the lines of the walls that holds everything together. But if we're being built together and we're all different bricks, I don't want to be on top of some of you guys. I don't want to hold some of you guys because it's hard. But if Jesus is showing us the lines, it can become incredibly easier. It's, it's like when you are hypothetically making bad choices about life and you're at parties hypothetically and someone says, dude, let's do a pyramid. You remember those human pyramids? Yeah. And, and I know you can't tell, but I've been working out lately. And, and even before that, I'm always this size. So when you're over six foot six and they're about to build a human pyramid, where do you go? I know it's so unfair. I've always wanted to be the, the flyer. But they're like, okay, let's do it. Big guys on the bottom. So I get down, and I just have these two linebackers next to me. And then they start crawling up. And I'm like, you guys, I'm a basketball player. Get the knee in the back. And then one stack, one stack. And it's supposed to be like the next heaviest guys go here. And then you get like two point guards up here. And then inevitably, because of the levels of um, – partying, the little guy that was supposed to be on top gets shoved aside, and a behemoth of a man starts crawling up. And you don't know what's going on because you're on the bottom and you're like already straining, your veins are popping out of your neck, and then you feel a foot on your rump, and it feels like a size 17. And then all of a sudden, and then you start to crick your neck back, and you see like one of the three bearded seniors, just hit puberty at the age of 12, is built like a freight train, laughing his way all the way to the top. And when you're the center base of this, you know it doesn't end well. When it comes crumbling down, you get mad. And you say, why did you go on top? It was so funny. You just, I get to mock him now because he can't beat me up here. 
because he's not in Florida. And if he was, I'm sure that some of you guys are packing heat to protect him, okay? But, but when he went to the place where he wasn't supposed to be, everything fell apart. Some of you are not even on the wall. Some of you, when the Bible says being built together, you're like, no, no, I just want to be a rock, like a rock wall. I want to be one of those retaining walls. And God's like, no, 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 we're going to cement you to this thing. No, no, God, don't cement me. I don't want to be cemented to someone I don't like. I don't want to be bearing someone else's burden. I don't want to have to pick someone up when they're down. That may be you. I'm, I'm telling you today, I promise you today, just give it a try and let me know how it feels. And, and don't try it for a week because it'll feel awkward for a week. It's like any new habit that you start. I've been trying to work out. I was uh, given a whole gym contraption in my garage, like one of those full body things with the weight stacks, you know. I've been crushing that thing like a boss. And it's been crushing me back. Right now, pretty much anywhere you touch my body hurts. For the last five days, I've taken Motrin with my coffee. Because every joint is sore, because I haven't been working out for years. I can't sit down on chairs unless there's adequate padding because it's a new habit. But you know what's going to happen? Ideally, don't hold me accountable for this. Ideally, what's going to happen is that by the time I have my 10-year anniversary, I'm going to have the body of a Greek god. Right, babe? Huh? Huh? I'm going to look like an Abercrombie and Fitch model in his 30s with the receding hairline. Now, I, I jest in that, but, but really the habit, I don't like how it feels today, but I like feeling strong. I don't like that I'm six foot six, and here's a confession that I don't confess very often. I'm, si I'm over six foot six. Don't judge me, guys. I cannot dunk a basketball anymore. <laughs> See, you judged me. We've talked about not judging people here just in this sermon. I can't dunk a basketball anymore. I don't know what it is. My brain says I can. My mind's telling me yes, but my body's telling me no. <laughs> I just wanted to see who listened to dirty R&B songs. You're busted. <laughs> so, so I want to get back to that. But the habit's hard. It's going to be uncomfortable for a number of weeks. I'm not going to be able to dunk a basketball probably next month. I probably won't be able to dunk a basketball until maybe never. At, at the earliest, October. I'm going to shoot for a Christmas present dunk to myself where I can actually dunk it and land all the way and not be injured. That's the goal. Now, that's a long time. And that's just to throw a ball through a, a metal ring with rope. This isn't to make my life wired into the way that God has hardwired humanity. God has created us in his communal family image of love. We are created in that image. We cannot image out God on our own. We can only image out God when we are together. And God is building us together, a housing place for God. You are the temple of God when we are together, you plural. And some of us need a little bit more mortar on the sides. Some of us need to be supported by those around us. Some of us have taken on all of spirituality as if we could do it on our own, not realizing that, A, Jesus is the cornerstone that directs the line, that holds the building together, the foundation, the rock. He is all of that, 
And then he himself is saying, I'll take a Jesse Natalie right here. I'll take a Natalie Betsy right here. I'll take a Matt DeLeonardi here. And now let's put the big boulder on top. No, they wouldn't do that to you guys. But we, we stack up. What happens if I stack all of you right here? Boom, 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 boom. And then I think, hmm, I don't like this brick. And I take my steel-toed boots, and I boot a brick out. And I don't like this brick over here. And I boot that brick out. And then I go over here, and I start kicking them. What happens? We've all played Jenga, right? It falls. And we think, well, I'm not that important. Well, you may not think you're that important. But I do. And it doesn't matter what I think. Because God does. And if you don't see your piece to play, if you don't understand that you are part of this family, it's going to hurt us all. And I don't want you to feel guilty for that. I want you to know that there's a challenge, there's a call, there's an intimacy that you need to be a part of so that I can experience more of who God is. Because here's the most beautiful thing, and here's why I love people when I love them. There are things that you guys teach me about God that I can learn nowhere else. Nowhere else. Alan went on vacation recently, and I'm just picking on you because I don't want to pick on your wife because she, she should be in the hood section. <laughs> Alan went on vacation loving his wife like crazy. It was one of those vacation Facebook things that makes you sick to your stomach because you just want to be there. But I'm like, well, I think my wife's friends with him, and she's seeing all this. Man, that's some love. I want to be that loving for my wife even when I'm not on vacation because it's easy to love your wife on vacation. This fall, I'm going to Italy. We're ditching our kids for two weeks. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be easy to love my wife when there's no kids yelling to wipe their butts down the hallway. That ruins romance. So leave those kids here. Go away. But man, I was watching Alan with his whole family. I thought, I, I want to love like that. And then some of you I've prayed with, and, and when I pray with you, you'll just start talking to God. Have you noticed that Re? So, so if you don't know Re, Re's the one that is here with the keyboard. She's married to Eric, big, tall, bald, black guy. Re sounds to me sometimes like a black preacher. I think it's hilarious. I don't know if she's here right now or not. Yeah, she's teaching, so I can make fun of her. I mean, this morning during the first song, she had the, the preacher voice. Oh, Lord, going to get up in here. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. I could do it because I told you guys last week during the race sermon that I'm a quarter black because I have a half black brother who's half black. Half brother who's half black. And I'm, yeah, never mind. So I got that. And I watch TV. But, but Reed will sometimes pray with such passion. And if you come into my prayer life, you'll just see someone that cries a lot. I cry a lot. But I've gotten to connect with people. I'm like, man, they, they show me this other side of who God is. And we do it in real life. We all know it. People bring out different things in us. But God is building us together because he doesn't want a, a building that all looks the same. It's not bricks from a mold. He's building a living house for his Holy Spirit to dwell within. And God loves the differences. Even if you look in your family, people probably bring different things out of you than others. Even if you just look at your offspring, if you've got kids or people close around you, 
My kids bring out different things in me. My daughter, you should see her today. She's the most adorable thing you've ever seen. She's wearing a dress that says love, and she's wearing these sparkly ballet slippers. If you try to kidnap her, I'll kill you. Um, unless it's on Mondays through Wednesdays, then you can have her for a couple hours. But she, she came up to me. I was standing right here talking to somebody before service, and she stood at the end of this aisle, and she wanted to get my attention, but she's scared of strangers. She had her little sparkly toes, and it's this little tool stuff. Yes, I know what this is. I took fashion in high school. Don't judge me again. And, it, and then the top is like just a regular T-shirt material. It says love and cursive. And she stood there like this, just like this. And this, See, look, she's cuter than me, so imagine me cute, okay? And she just stood at the end. And then the people I was talking to kind of look around, and then I go like this. And then it's like she was just cut out of sugar and spice and everything nice. She just pranced down the aisle, and she hugged me, and she put her head on my shoulder. And, and just so you know, this is who we call in our home Savannah the Barbarian. We call her the meat wagon, okay? So I hold her. She brought something out of me that my boys never have. I mean, no offense to my boys. My son Jackson brings different things out. My son Jackson's got his first real Bible. And he goes, Daddy, can we read the Bible? And I think every time he says this, Amy knows that I'm like, my eyes are so sweaty. <laughs> and we'll sit there, and I'll have to put him on my chest so he'll read in front of me. And he's getting tall now. He's like eight years old and like six feet tall. So, so we did, he's like a human laying on top of me. And I'll just read, and he'll be reading. And we're just we're in this Genesis story right now. And he's just plowing through, boom, 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 boom. And then he'll ask me this question, that question about, what does this mean? What's this? Who is Satan? What is this going on? Why is this theology here? Boom. He uses words like gospel theology. He writes sermons. He's only eight. He said, Daddy, I want to be a pastor. I said, no. And he, all of these things. But I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Now, that's a different emotion that he brings out of me that Savannah will probably never bring out of me. She's more likely to chew on a Bible than read one, okay? But here's why we need each other. And we don't need everyone here because, A, I've met a lot of you, and I don't necessarily know that I want all of you in my life. Some of you I don't know well enough. I need some of you, though, to be around me, and you need some of you to be around each other, and not just the people in your row, not just the people in your medical section, hood section, loud section, singing section. Because all of us bring things out of each other that no one else can really bring out. Conversely, we see this in death. I've been, um, there's this thing going around on Facebook, and it says, you know, post this, post a picture, gift, comment that, re that reminds you of me. And one of my friends in ministry put this picture up of a dude in a cemetery. And I'm like, well, morbid. I had like bacon, bacon, coffee, Jesus, bacon, coffee, cemetery. And then some random girl dancing. I don't know what that was about. But the cemetery one, I thought, I, I do love death, and, and it's the same concept. Now, many of us in here have experienced death, whether it's an aunt, uncle, grandpa, grandmother, sibling, if there's been the unfortunate loss of a child. When somebody dies, you don't just lose the person who died. You lose a piece of all of the people you knew in common because there's something that only that person could bring out of this friend, and you'll never see that again. This is why death hurts long after the person has passed. When your mother or father passes away, you don't just lose them. You lose the part of your siblings or your children that only they brought out. This is the sting that Jesus will one day remove. But this is why it's so important 
so we come alongside each other because things like death happen. Sometimes walls get broken down and we don't act like the family that we are. Sometimes we lose sight that Jesus is the cornerstone that directs our building and we try to build something that looks more like ourselves than more like him. Which is why, as I say week after week, we are all about Jesus. We're not all about the chapel. We're not all just about the Bible. We're not all about prayer. We're all about Jesus. This chapel gives us an air-conditioned place to come and sing to Jesus, to pray to Jesus, which are good things. It gives us the Bible, which is pointing us to Jesus. But if we become only about these things and not about him, we'll start to build this weird-looking thing that looks nothing like what God is trying to build. We won't have the grace that God has given us. We won't have the same diversity that he has wired into the world. But I, I promise you that if you press in to others and let them into your life, if you open your door to strangers without peeking through the blinds, things will begin to change. And it's hard. I mean, I say this, but my house is one of those houses. I've got a camera in my front window to see who's in front of my house from my phone. Now, admittedly, it's mostly because my mailbox was accosted three times in a year, and I was trying to catch that little fool, because if I didn't, some of the, um, how do we call them, native Floridians were going to put wood with nails in my grass, and they were going to sit in a tree with a gun. That's literally what they told me. Hey, pastor, we'll sit in your tree with a gun all night. I said, you guys, I live in what's called a neighborhood, okay? You don't shoot people in a place that has HOA fees. It's just the reality. So I put this camera up. But sometimes I'll just, you know, bing, bong. Mm, I don't know. It's hard. Because we have to get over a lot of things. The primary of which is usually ourselves. Because we like to be left alone. We don't see the value yet of being knit together to be a house for God's spirit. Because what happens is sometimes when people want to come over, we got to clean. We got to put all the dishes away. We got to pick up the pretzel crumbs that have been strewn across your floor like a battlefield. But it's precious when people can come over and you can just let them right in. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. Jared knocks on my door all the time. Sometimes I want to park both cars in the garage just to hide from him. Kidding, I would never do that. I can't. My gym's in there now. I'm getting huge. No, but but seriously, I, I love it. I love that I have someone in my life that can just come over. Other people, I keep you at the door. I have trust issues, as many of you know. My, my recent things going on have only exacerbated those. But I'm, I'll just open the door, and sometimes I can tell people want to come in. I open it, and I just stand in the frame. I block all the mess keep my kids away because one of the kids is always trying to get here. So if you see me doing this, pow, I'm just knocking kids out. Pow, one at a time. They're just bodies on the floor. And I can tell people's body language, let me in, let me in, let me in. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I know that I should love this person because they love Jesus. They just want to be community. Pow. But I just don't think I want to do it right now. Pow. Hey, oh, hey, hey. I, I, my, my neighbor yesterday brought me food twice. And I thought I should at least invite her in for like a glass of wine or something. She came over literally love language. Hey, we got our produce box. Do you want some mangoes? Free mangoes? Me? Yes. Mm. Two hours later comes over. Oh, I realized I had too many onions. Do you want onions? Me? Onions? Oh, yes. 
And, and neither time I, I had her come in or invited her in. And then I, I wondered at the end of it all, I thought, I'm literally preaching a sermon tomorrow about being community. And I think God was just like throwing me a softball, and I was just whiffing like Mark McGuire. Sorry, too, too far past? I don't know anybody else. I don't follow baseball. It's a weird sport. God said, do community. No. Do it. I can't. But I'll take your mangoes. Sounds weirdly sexual when you say it that way. This week, told you, the hood section. And he's a rapper, so rappers, all they do is think about killing and sex, right? Sorry. I'm still recovering from my recent week, but I want you to do this this week. Open your life to one person, and here's the homework assignment. Be built together to be the family of God in a genuine way. And here's what I mean by genuine. Don't correct your entire house. Call someone who's a mediocre friend and say, hey, let's just have a meal together, whether they believe in Jesus or not. If they don't, then you can encourage them with how Jesus has encouraged you. Give them good news. If they know Jesus, encourage them with good news. Have someone come over and just have a moment where you can take off all the masks that we wear and sit at a table and say, I just want to see what it's like to be like family-ish. If you don't have those people in your life, find them. Don't do it by meeting a stranger here on a Sunday morning and saying, hey, what's your address? I'm coming over. That'd be creepy. But you should, from time to time on a Sunday, like every Sunday, we used to do this at the church I got uh, led the Lord in. We used to have this like exodus to the lunches. Invite somebody that maybe you see or you've had a cup of coffee around or you've been to a Bible study with and say, hey, we're going to head over to Fishhawk Pizza. We're going to head over to Chili's or Outback. That's all the restaurants in Fishhawk. You want to come with us? Just hang. See what happens. And then when they ask for prayer, pray for them. Right there on the spot. Right there between your cheese pizza and your Peroni. Pray for them. Be the family of God and be with one another because that is where God lives. He doesn't live here. He lives in us. And the house we are building has a chance to draw people in or we can be the same type of house that the church has been for too many years which puts up high walls and heavily barricaded doors. I don't think that's the way that God has created it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy and your kindness. Lord, I pray that you would build us into a house that is based on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and not just our modern idea of church. God, we are the church. Help us to be the church family. Help us to live authentically with a handful of people in our lives, our oikos. Help us to give you all the great glory and fame. I thank you for choosing me. Thank you for choosing those who are here today, no matter where they've gone and been in the past, God, you are present today. Help those who don't yet know you to come to you and receive your open arms. In Jesus' name, amen.
invite our host to come forward, if you would, please. It's an opportunity for us to give back a little of what God has given to us, a chance for us to support the ministry and the, the efforts of the chapel. And by the way, as a student pastor, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this coming Wednesday night in this lobby area is going to be a pajama jam dance party. I am dressing up as a superhero for this. Wait, wait, so wait, 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 wait. You're throwing a dance party. I am throwing a dance party. You know you're Baptist, right? Yes, I know. I'm pretty sure that's that the unforgivable sins, according to Southern Baptist, is dancing. Jesus will have to deal with that. Do you dance? Okay. No, 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 no. You have to be here Wednesday night to check it out. All right. Let's pray together. Father God, you are awesome and you are holy. Thank you so much for the great day that you've given us to come into your house and to worship you. God, may the things that we've learned, Father God, change us from the inside out today. And Father, as these tithes and offerings, Father, as they come in, give us wisdom to use them to reach people with the good news of Jesus. God, today, may those that are here within the sound of my voice take good news to their coworkers, to their friends, to their family, all throughout the week. And may you use us, may you use me for you to make a difference in someone's life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, a few announcements as they're passing those around. Um, I want to say, if you're a teenager and you go to Glow, here's what you do. You take your camera. Don't hold it this way because vertical video is bad. Hold it this way. For every one-minute clip, and I'll do this one per person, if you get me one-minute clips of Edwin dancing, I will give you money. Okay? You got a deal. I'm not promising much. I'm, I'm semi-poor, but I will uh, at least a, a dollar. I want, I'll give you a dollar. You give me clips of Edwin dancing. If you get Edwin doing the stanky leg, I will give you multiple dollars. Um, one, a very important announcement. Out in the chapel pantry, right now we have the chapel pantry. is It's been getting restocked, but there's brand new meal kit guides going out. If you don't know what the chapel pantry is, it's right outside these doors to the left. There are pre-made meals, and it comes with a gift card to either Publix or Winn-Dixie so that if you know somebody that's in need, and I don't mean like you don't have to find somebody who's had the worst luck of their life, but sometimes it's somebody that's like a neighbor, and they're going through a tough time. They're having to choose between bills to pay. We want to be able to be a blessing to those people. There are new meal kit guides there of what, what goes in each of the bags. So if you want to help us support, we have no more food left. For the first time, we have more gift cards than we do food. So we need food support. Grab one of these next time you're out. Fill up the bags. All you have to do is bring it in on Sunday morning, put it in the box, and the magical Chapel Pantry fairies come, and they pack it all together, put it up there. And here's how it works. If you're new... You don't have to check them out. You don't have to say, hey, can I take one of those? If you or someone you know is in need of a full-on dinner, lunch, or breakfast, all you do is you walk back there and you grab one and you take it to their house. Because it's not something that I'm doing as a, as a church pastor. It's something that we are doing as a church family to just push back a little bit of brokenness that exists in this world around us. Sound like a plan? Say, so grab a new meal kit guide. We still, if you bring food, we'll need more gift cards. So if you're buying food, get a $10 gift card. Throw it in the offering baskets in the back. If you would stand, I will bless you. We'll be out of here. I do want to say um, one last time because I know that not everyone comes every week. But for everything that's been going on in my life, um, I deeply, deeply appreciate you guys praying for me and my friend. Um, 
He, uh, their, their family is, is working through some of those things that he has gone through. If you don't know what I'm talking about, so just keep praying. But I feel normal. My wife is grateful that I'm not um, wanting to just curl up in a fetal position all day. And I'm grateful to have her back. And we're going to go to Italy soon. I'm getting sidetracked. Okay, let me bless you. May God the Father be with you this week as your dad. May you pray to him like a loving dad that he is. And may Jesus give you access to the Spirit who will dwell in us as we eat food together, as we barbecue together, as we pray together, as we live in peace together. May that Spirit bring you more and more together with Chapel Family. In Jesus' name, God be with you. Amen. Grace and peace.